Welcome to the Privacy Cast, the Data Privacy Podcast. We bring to you the season one. Season one is all about technology. I'm your host Akash, and let us welcome Professor Sandeep Shukla, the renowned voice of cybersecurity in India. Dr. Sandeep is a professor of computer science at IIT Kanpur, the India's leading hub of cybersecurity research. He's a coordinator of cybersecurity in Interdisciplinary Center for Cybersecurity, and is a coordinator for National Blockchain Project. Today we will talk about privacy in cybersecurity. Over to you, Professor, for a short introduction. Hello, everybody. I'm very happy to be here. Thanks to Akash. So, uh, I guess uh, we are going to discuss privacy and uh, security that is uh, kind of relevant to privacy. And uh, I work in cybersecurity of critical infrastructures, uh, which includes power grid. Uh, water treatment system, uh, oil and gas pipelines, uh, this kind of uh, infrastructure, which are of uh, national importance and very critical to the national economy. However, we also work in other areas of security, and we certainly uh, are also very much involved in uh, blockchain technology research and development. And uh, we are, uh, I'm coordinating with my colleague, Professor Manindra Agarwal, uh, the National Blockchain Project. We also started this uh, new technology innovation hub on cybersecurity of cyber physical systems called C3I Hub. And C3I Hub is not only a research uh, organization, but it is also uh, to uh, fund startups in the cybersecurity area. Uh, to actually uh, spur more research in the country by funding other researchers in other organizations throughout India. And also it has uh, uh, a mandate to create future manpower for the country in cybersecurity. So with that, I think that we can have have an interesting conversation around privacy and security today. So I will uh, ask, uh, Akash to uh, shoot his questions. Sure, and sir. I can. Thanks for your introduction that. and thanks for joining us today. Uh, it is a pleasure having Thank you. Thank you. What exactly do you feel uh, about data privacy? Uh, and what is that first word that comes to your mind when you hear about data privacy? Privacy to me is uh, an inalienable right of every individual. And Supreme Court of India also. Uh, uh, recently uh, gave a uh, ruling that privacy is a fundamental right. What what that means is that your personal data, the data that identifies you, your biometry, your uh, financial statements, your uh, address, your phone number, uh, your grades in in a course, all this information should only be available to those to whom you have given a consent to have that data. And it also has to be granular in the sense that you might uh, actually want to reveal your grades to a future employer. Doesn't mean that you are going to reveal your birth date, uh, exact birth date to your future employer. Or if you want to, uh, uh, share the information about your uh, uh, blood report and other medical information to your doctor, 
doesn't mean that you want to share that with your employer. So granular, uh, self-sovereign uh, ability to control the access to your personal data is the idea of privacy to me. And that is what privacy should be about in the digital world. Definitely, sir. If you, if you look around and uh, we see how much data, uh, how many digital identities have been created for us uh, on all the OTTs or online platforms, uh, it becomes uh, scary sometimes to see that the notification, even the notification that comes to us uh, has already been thought about and it comes because of our certain condition that uh, a company has monitored uh, over the period of time. Mm -hmm. Like, let's just take an example of insurance. Uh, the companies mm -hmm. already know that my bike uh, went to uh, went to servicing or, or my bike's insurance is going to end. So I get that automatic notification uh, with a certain ad, with certain uh, sale that I should take it. So uh, the monitoring is not just happening at one or two things it's happening it's as a human behavior is being monitored so i second you sir over there so coming right. on uh, going ahead and looking mm -hmm. at our cyber security posture and and without cyber security we, we nobody will be able to ever achieve privacy so looking at our cyber security posture today how secure do you think we are as a country uh, I would say extremely insecure. We are uh, one of the, uh, uh, among the uh, very large countries uh, with a pretty uh, substantial GDP, we are one of the worst. The reason being that uh, we don't have a proper cybersecurity infrastructure. We don't have the right manpower. And certainly we don't have the awareness level uh, about privacy, about one's own privacy rights, as well as uh, cyber hygiene, or the basic know-hows of how to secure your own data. Uh, and uh, this is also uh, one of the results of this very quick digitalization. What happened in last uh, several years is that the number of people having mobile phone uh, is, uh, almost like uh, 500 to 600 million and number of them who have internet connection on those are close to uh, 400 million and then people having internet connections in some way or the other either through home or through uh, cyber cafes or through uh, the uh, through their uh, phone mobile data is also uh, close to 600 700 million and uh, the um, level of education and the level of awareness has been very, very poor in terms of cybersecurity and privacy. And that itself is a pretty uh, big uh, opportunity for things that you were talking about that the uh, insurance companies uh, knowing what exactly uh, you have been doing with your vehicle or uh, the uh, credit card uh, companies uh, knowing uh, what your buying habits or the uh, medical insurance companies uh, after you, uh, when you go to uh, hospital, uh, this kind of information uh, that is uh, being passed around 
by uh, anybody who has access to any data about you uh, is also not only lack of uh, awareness, but also lack of proper data protection law. And because we don't have a data protection law, therefore, when I apply for a credit card, and as soon as my credit card gets, uh, gets um, approved, I keep getting you know, hundreds of calls from organizations who are offering, uh, apparently, the insurance on my credit. That is, if I get defrauded, they will apparently pay and they will give you accidental death coverage and all that stuff. And I was appalled that uh, they receive my phone number. Uh, the fact that I uh, got a, a credit card from a specific bank, all this information was passed along to these organizations, which are not uh, uh, necessarily all very, uh, you know, corruption-free organizations. And that itself means that uh, uh, there is a lack of data protection uh, in the legal realm. And that is why anybody is able to pass data that is uh, not supposed to be passed to a third party. And uh, you never know what you have signed when you applied for a definitely, credit card. Maybe, definitely. And, maybe and there adding, is a... Definitely, sir. Adding on to you uh, and, and point, pointing out that a lot of applications use our mobiles, phone camera access and voice access uh and and we still uh, cannot stop them right now uh and and at taking that data uh, is making it mm -hmm. every day more difficult for us uh, to be private right so 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 the the, the issue is that uh, all this uh, apps that we download uh that is another uh, place where we actually make this mistake of compromising ourselves because we often tend to give it permission uh, an app that is, let's say, supposed to, uh, you know, uh, play music to me, but it asks us uh, access to my camera, my microphone, uh, and uh, maybe my contact address, uh, contact book. And uh, that means that they are going to use that data, right? So even though they, if you look at the functionality of that app, they don't absolutely uh, need, uh, they don't need that kind of access uh, to those kind of uh, you know peripherals in my phone and uh, there is no law and there is no uh, compliance check so only in financial sector there is a, a certain compliance checks that are required but in any other sector the compliance like in the US for example uh, for hospitals and health information systems have to abide by HIPAA right so uh, similarly, uh, the uh, 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 universities, they have to abide by uh, a particular uh, law that a student data, their uh, uh, information, their roll numbers, their grades, etc., cannot be shared with a third party, even with their parents, if, this, uh, if the uh, student is an adult, without their consent. So there are laws, specific laws for specific sectors that these allows use of uh, data uh, by an organization who you uh, trusted with your data uh, to share it with a uh, party that you may or may not trust. Definitely. So that's uh, that's a legal uh, framework that is missing. So uh, going back, awareness and education is one thing. 
the legal framework is the second thing that is missing and third thing is that the uh, the in india the corruption is very high so even ethical standards that uh, even though in the absence of legal standards uh, one could actually apply ethical standards to actually not share data for example uh, hospitalization data etc are very private information and that should not be ethically shared with a third party but that is done and the fourth thing that has happened in the in india in the last uh, so many years is that there is this push for for this digital india without adequately preparing the citizenry about their rights and responsibilities and therefore what is happening is for example now anybody who comes to you to deliver a package asks you to give give your other copy of your other card right as identity proof uh, you go to any many shops uh, even after the supreme court has ruled that banks and and the uh, telecom operators cannot have other as a way to authenticate people but they keep asking and most people they don't know their rights they don't know the supreme court ruling they don't know that this is illegal and they give it and now when your other card uh, uh, content is completely given to somebody else since other card copy is often used for other things like for example access to airport which should not be the case uh, or access to uh, facilities uh, hotels etc one could actually use your other card copy to go and uh, do uh, uh, criminal actions and then uh, your other card identity will be left there and then you might be in trouble so so there are various ways definitely the society, society as a whole is totally unaware of of their rights and, sir, and do you, also that do you think that when when we are in schools do you think this they should start at school or or there should be a mandatory subject in our colleges uh, how do you think that as as a country we can adopt to it because definitely the speed is very high and in last 10 12 10 15 years india has seen meteoric rise and that is what has left a lot of infrastructures without buildings right so i think i think that uh there is uh, there the, so so there has been a push recently i see in india uh the, a, an obscene push i would say to actually make uh, uh school students do programming uh in primary school and in the other schools and there are private uh, organizations which are making money by enticing parents to do that i am completely against that i think that the students at the uh, early age should not be doing programming maybe at the uh, later stage like 9th 9th to 12th grade maybe they can do programming but before that they should not be subject to do programming so similarly computer education has now become uh, at least in uh, private schools they give you computer education but what they teach there is also very very poor and the curriculum is extremely poor so i think that that is not doing any good but what should be taught is the rights and responsibilities both in the real world and the digital world which is not taught in school curriculum even even today if you if for if you forget about cyber you just think about the constitutional rights and responsibilities of uh, of citizens that is not taught in school and in 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 later later in later years that that taught civics which is part of a, a bigger curriculum and people don't take it very seriously 
but this is something that is to be taught from the very beginning that if you have rights you have rights and you have responsibilities as citizen and and that may that may actually be in the cyber world that may be in the real world in the uh, you know vis-a-vis -vis, uh, uh, you know uh, environment protection to uh, your ability to actually participate in the uh, in election process uh, to uh, any other thing about uh, uh, social uh, responsibility and cybersecurity should be cybersecurity uh, hygiene and responsibility should be gradually uh, introduced over the years in school. Not in the beginning, if you don't have have any access to a phone or a computer, smartphone or computer as a child, you don't get any uh, idea about uh, cybersecurity. But as you gradually grow and then you get to see some of this stuff, then accordingly. Uh, uh, this can be uh, gradually introduced uh, as part of the, uh, you know, rights and responsibilities, uh, civic duties, etc., as in the curriculum. Uh, but in the colleges, I certainly think that uh, cybersecurity should be a mandatory subject, and uh, many, many, uh, in, in at least engineering institutes today, including ours, we actually have. Uh, programming as a mandatory subject for every uh, discipline, including economics and mathematics and statistics, et cetera. But more important, I think, is the cybersecurity than programming. Not everybody would need programming, and those who would need programming for their work would learn it. But the cybersecurity is something I see even the top level people in the country has no idea about, and that has to change. That needs to uh, be somehow imparted through curriculum in the college. <coughs> and also, also <clears throat> one thing I have been telling the government for a long time is that uh, we often, uh, we did a very good job as a country. Uh, I remember when we had the AIDS epidemic and we had, uh, you know, uh, hoardings on the, uh, on the road, uh, we had uh, television ads, we have various uh, print media ads, uh, you know, giving people idea about, you know, what leads to AIDS and, uh, you know, uh, and not to stigmatize it and, and what are the precautions one should take and all that stuff. We had very good campaign over sustained period of time over years. And I think that has uh, helped. So similarly, cybersecurity has become so important that that needs and privacy and cybersecurity needs to be uh, taken at similar level of public awareness campaign. Definitely. And that, that, means, that means that there should be television ads, there should be radio ads, there should be hoardings, there should be uh, newspaper ads, and uh, in the, uh, there should be ads on the, on the train station, on the buses, uh, and, and, and various uh, you know, things that people can understand in a language understandable. Uh, and that would, that would create the awareness much uh, uh, much faster, and that will protect people from getting uh, subject to uh, various kinds of frauds that they Definitely. get subject to. And and not just frauds. If we just look at uh, such an easy thing like our Facebook, uh, yeah, er everybody knows someone or was subject to a Facebook uh, oh. data theft, data theft, and especially right. women in our country, right? Uh, yes. If yeah, if we if we look at uh, the number of FIRs that happen against uh, Facebook uh, identity theft, it is a very big issue that we have right now in our hands. And uh, and I think 
totally uh, with the yeah. with the with the ads on aids i think very similar thing should be done for cyber security and privacy to let people know that this is their right and this is the amount of knowledge that they need to be mm. cyber safe sir what do you think uh, and when we talk about cyber security attacks uh, and not just attacks on individual identity theft but massive attacks uh, mm-hmm. from state sponsored mm-hmm. medias right if, if you look at mm-hmm. sta- state sponsored attacks that are happening in the us in the europe mm-hmm. uh, i think india is not far away from uh, mm-hmm. from having those attacks if us is so if if people can breach us uh, i think at india we should be uh, we should be scared right now correct so uh, i think that uh, so we have seen uh, attacks on georgia many years ago uh, during during a conflict with russia uh, where uh, we have seen the russian attacks on estonia uh, estonia's uh, e government systems uh, and then ukrainian power system twice uh, in 2015 december and 2016 december uh, and uh, we have seen uh, uh, signs of attacks in the us power system uh we have seen uh, various attacks even even recently uh if you remember maharashtra had a had a uh, you know blackout uh, uh, and that was a transmission system cascading failure but so those failures those of us who actually work in power system security can tell you that this kind of things can be easily done with uh, cyber attacks and if you actually uh, look at the uh the uh, defense posture of this utilities power utilities you will see that it's very weak now the question then is that why is that india is not being subject to subject to those attacks that ukraine and others are seeing one of the reason uh, of course is that uh, uh the, there is an international uh, pressure uh that comes with the with such attacks right to to the perpetrator and even uh, and uh, and often times you can actually attribute the attack by looking at the modus operandi the kind of signature and the what we call the the way uh, tactics and the uh, procedures and tactics techniques and procedures or ttps of the attack or or the if in case of uh, a malware based attack by looking at the code signature of the attack you can kind of attribute to the kind of country uh, that might be involved and i have i strongly believe that why india is not being attacked is for precisely because uh, of the world uh, geopolitics uh, if if the geopolitics was not in the way then uh, india would be attacked by uh, countries surrounding it uh, unfortunately uh, or sorry fortunately uh, there is uh, geopolitics involved and and therefore uh, the uh, attacks hasn't happened but if if the things if you push the pay, the countries to desperation they would attack and they would be very uh, easily uh, be able to create blackouts and create uh, various kinds of attacks uh, that uh, uh, we cannot even imagine right now so i think i think that our defense systems uh, cyber defense systems has to be strengthened uh, before such a thing actually comes to pass but uh, i think that uh, uh, we need the right manpower and right leadership uh in cybersecurity to actually make that happen and that requires also it's not a simple technology problem it's a problem of uh, uh you know uh, uh, policy so a problem of uh, uh 
uh, cybersecurity strategy. It's a, a matter of cyber architecture. It's a matter of uh, uh, your uh, ability to convince all stakeholders that they need to do something about it. So it's this problem is not just a technology problem. Technology is not that uh, difficult. The problem is to actually uh, have uh, all these things uh, uh, together to actually make things happen. And that's a very difficult thing to do, given that, uh, for example, power, power system, there are, uh, there are hundreds of different operators in the power system domain, distribution operators, transmission operators, uh, the generation, uh, power generation operators, various states are involved. So it's a very difficult thing to get done, but we have to get, get it done because otherwise, uh, otherwise we'll be uh, at the mercy of uh, state actors uh, elsewhere who are just not doing it because of polit uh, geopolitics, not, not because they cannot do it. Right, sir. Sir, I think talking about policy, uh, India as a, I think India is also going to pass a, a personal data protection bill, which is also termed as PDPB, uh, which we have seen right. a few iterations. Uh, how do you mm. think it will impact Indians and the businesses that we have around us? So the original uh, committee the, uh, that, that uh, drafted the bill actually made a reasonable bill, uh, kind of modeled after GDPR. Uh, unfortunately, the latest iteration that was tabled in the parliament uh, has uh, a one big problem that it, it basically says that the government can look at everybody's data uh, in, the, in the name of uh, national security. And that's not how it is done in GDPR and, and, and uh, uh, any other uh, democratic countries, uh, cybersecurity or privacy laws. But uh, notwithstanding that particular flaw, I think that this is very important for businesses to get compliant with the uh, Data Protection Act when it, when it comes to that. And uh, the act is actually pretty extensive. It has uh, all the uh, uh, kind of, uh, all the restrictions and cybersecurity control requirements as GDPR. Uh, and it, in some cases, it is even stricter. And the, there is a uh, audit. Uh, see, a law is is not not any good unless it is enforced, right? So the law has to be enforced, and that will require you to have audits. And audits would mean that uh, that the audit should be corruption free. The one of the biggest problem of audit in a country like India is that auditors often are not going to do the due diligence. And you define, you uh, wine and dine the auditors who come, and then they write a good report, and that would be a very dangerous uh, thing. So therefore, there has to be proper enforcement of the uh, of the uh, auditing mechanism, and uh, there is a penalty involved. So in the U.S., for example, the FERC, the Federal Energy Regulatory uh, uh, Commission. They actually uh, impose a $1 million fine for every single day that you are non-compliant. The day they find that you are non-compliant to uh, SIP, the critical infrastructure protection regulations, uh, every day you have to, the company utility has to pay for $1 million. So obviously there is a rush to become compliant. So therefore I think that that enforcement and that uh, mechanism to levy penalty 
and proper judicial uh, expedience has to be there in order to adju adjudicate any kind of issues that uh, that comes up in terms of non-compliance. Now, having said that, having advocating you know the strong audit and compliance and and uh, uh, the ability to levy penalty, etc. I must say that compliance is a two-edged sword. So compliance often are done for compliance only and for ticking certain boxes and not for proper security. So that has to be properly uh, audited. That the is it just for uh, you know lip service of compliance or is it actually doing the due diligence, uh, putting the right cybersecurity control uh, in order to get compliant, right? So, so that that issue is uh, you know in every country this issue comes up that compliance versus real security is often uh, in in some not exactly in conflict, but often compliance is given so much importance that uh, to get compliant they will cut uh, make uh, shortcuts and all that stuff. So that has to be properly. So being in uh, being in uh, privacy uh, since last uh, three years, uh, what I have seen is mm -hmm. uh, exactly uh, the point that you have put forward. Uh, once the regulator mm -hmm. starts fining, uh, you you start getting organizations which are ready with their privacy posture, mm -hmm. and that is exactly mm -hmm. what has happened in the Europe. And once the yeah. India comes out of out with the bill, uh, I think it will be a very big factor as to how the compliances are being monitored. And I think mm -hmm. that is somewhere where we will see. Uh, as privacy professionals also, and from your angle, cybersecurity professionals, to how uh, India will grow altogether. Mm. So that coming on, uh, mm. I, I think people are very curious uh, nowadays. I, I think everybody now knows the importance of cybersecurity. And the field mm. is growing like e to the power x. Every, every year, mm -hmm. if I look back, it's, uh, it's exceptionally growing. So mm -hmm. anybody who wants to start his career in cybersecurity, what would be your advice to them? Well, first of all, uh, yeah, we get to uh, hear this question uh, all the time. Now, uh, uh, first of all, you have to know computer science, right? Uh, you have to know programming, you have to know um, operating system, you have to know um, network, and you have to know uh, algorithms, all these things are essential prerequisite to be an effective cybersecurity professional. But that does, that only uh, is a start. Then you have to train yourself or get trained by uh, professional programs where you are actually uh, made to learn uh, various things. So, so cybersecurity is not a, it's, it's a vast subject, right? So for example, network security itself can be a, you know, six month uh, uh, course. Similarly, web security can become a six month course. Similarly, uh, application security can be another six month course. And then you have uh, the uh, middleware security, you have operating system security, you have hardware security, which is also another uh, maybe six months uh, or more uh, uh, course. So now obviously nobody, once they have gotten their degree in the basic field like computer science or IT, et cetera, or electronics, for example, they don't have the time to, uh, you know, necessarily have the time to go through, you know, six months, six months, six months is this large uh, number of uh, uh, hours. 
So therefore, what uh, they have to do is that they have to either go through self-training uh, or go through a, a, a proper uh, curriculum that is compressed, right? So for example, we run with a company called Talent Sprint IIT Kanpur grants a program on uh, called CSCD, the, the Cybersecurity and Cyber Defense uh, Professional uh, uh, Program, uh, which, is a, which is basically a 120 hour lecture course, live lecture course. And then there are lots of uh, homeworks, projects, hands-on and capstone project quizzes. So, so that gives some, some standing that doesn't make you any, uh, uh, you know, immediately a very uh, effective cybersecurity professional, but that gets you started to know what you uh, need to do and what you uh, need to learn more and what you, which area of cybersecurity you want to focus on. So similarly, there are other courses like that by uh, various other uh, organizations. Definitely. And uh, so, so one has to, one can consider that. There are also right. certification courses like OSCP or um, CISSP. Uh, yeah, CISSP, all these different courses Definitely. That, uh, that also you can take to get started. That doesn't give you uh, uh, you know, become and don't expect to be an expert in overnight. But, so sir, so but sir, maybe maybe where we are going towards is the right set of experience and the right set of knowledge is what can actually yes. make you a good cybersecurity professional. Right. So you have to have real hands-on experience. You can also pick it up on job. Uh, you can, it doesn't necessarily have to go through course. A lot of things are uh, possible to pick up in job, especially if you have a good team with seniors who are actually have gone through the experience. So there are various ways you can actually uh, do that. Right, sir. So sir, coming on to our special round today, uh, which is a rapid fire round. Uh, okay. So we have our first question for you. What mm -hmm. is your LinkedIn password? Sandeep123. <laughs> okay, sir. I think that's the general Indian password. And I think the most yeah. special password that I've heard is password with P capital, by the way. Yes. <laughs> yeah. And we see that a lot. So do you think that cybersecurity professionals can sleep well at night? Yes or no? Depends. Depends. So, okay, sir. So cybersecurity professionals should have a nerve of steel. Uh, if they don't have that, they, will, they won't be able to sleep. So in one to 10, how easy do you think it is to hack a normal Facebook profile? I'd give it a four. Okay. I think Facebook has improvised in past years. That's why you're giving it four. In my time, when I was growing, it was, it was eight. So I, I suggest that I suggest everybody to actually use two factor authentication on Facebook for sure. Right. Sir. Uh, I, I hear so many people come uh, coming coming uh, messaging me that I my profile has been hacked and and all that and most of the time it is because they only use password and the password is usually uh, guessable or or something. So, thank you, sir. Know more about cybersecurity. Reach out to Professor Sandeep Shukla over LinkedIn. In our next episode, sure. we have a special guest for you. So stay tuned to know about technology that runs data privacy at the Privacy Cast. Just type Privacy Cast on any platform you use and you will find us.